0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 74 and episode 75 of Zion's Finest. This is going to be a two-parter because we ran a teensy bit long. What happened is I got Ryan Janway of the Tauntaun Rider fame, of the North Carolina Swarm fame, apparently now. I got on the podcast to talk about tournament prep, and then he gives a recap of nationals. It's awesome. I love Ryan. He is actually one of the people who inspired me to start the podcast. He's just so approachable, but he's also really smart. He's good at the game he makes it accessible to new people but obviously he's incredibly good so it just there is an immense amount of profit in just talking with him and listening to him so i was really glad to get him on the podcast and this is going to be an episode that everyone's going to enjoy like i said it went a little bit long so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna break it up episode 74 is going to be the first half episode 75 will be the second half you'll enjoy both segments tremendously ryan is such a such a cool guy news no news um Except for Lothal, the Lothal Wastes map, has it's officially out. We don't know where it is in terms of its occupation of physical space, but FFG has announced that it is available for purchase at local stores, so we're just going to have to check things out. I'm going to take the twins on a game store run tomorrow night, and we'll see if we can find it. Um, but you should uh, you should either be able to get it from your local game store or you, sh- you definitely should be able to order online from like Miniature Market, Cool Stuff Inc. One of our one of the Slack members who ordered, I think it was on Miniature Market. It might have been on Cool Stuff. His just showed up. So I mean, they've been they've been getting it out pretty quickly. And then the other bit of news is again we're encouraging everybody to join us on the Slack channel so that you can get ready for wave 3 of our vassal tournament. Just send an email to zionsfinestia@gmail.com. If you know about a regional, please let me know on zionsfinestia@gmail.com or you can um, message me on the Slack. Anyway, you can get in contact with me. What I need is just information regarding the venue, the date, and your contact information because what i'm going to do is is if someone is in north carolina and they are like hey i want to go to a regional i'm going to say okay ryan janway has told me that this story in carrie north carolina is having a store championship contact him he'll give you any all the details i mean i'm going to try and get all that on the op doc anyway but that's what's going to be going on okay besides that there's no news let's just turn it over to ryan and let's hear what he has to say Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown and I'm joined by my brother, Ryan Janway. Hello, everybody. Ryan is back. Those of us who know anything about Imperial Assault have long heard the name of Ryan Janway. He's going to be giving an awesome... We're going to be having an awesome discussion today. He's going to talk a little bit about nationals. Ryan was the infamous... I want to say infamous. We'll say very famous for good and ill pilot of the Riot Swarm, which... It's going to be really cool to pick his brain about that. Um, be, but before we do, Ryan, maybe do you want to just give for our new listeners a uh, reintroduction into who you are, how long you've been playing Imperial Assault, just like your general background?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and again, Kenny, you're too kind. Thanks for the uh, intro there. Um, my name is Ryan Janway. I uh, Let's see, I've been playing Imperial Assault in competitive skirmish for uh, a little over two years now, I guess. Um, played the campaign a bunch to start with and then got into skirmish. Uh, about two years ago, um, I currently live in North Carolina, so uh, have not made the trip out to Worlds yet. But um, my big event of the year is uh, the U.S. Nationals,
0: um, which is what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Are you um Are you going to be coming out to Worlds this year, Ryan? Uh
1: yeah, I think so. Yes, this is,
0: this is the time. This, yeah. this is it. This yeah. is it. Okay, perfect. Got to um, do. It. Okay, well before we and before we get into your um. Tournament report. So Ryan, I, I, this episode is going to be really, really awesome. It's going to be awesome for everybody, I mean, just because Ryan's like such a good player. It's also going to be really awesome for people who are getting serious about um, playing skirmish in this. There, if this is like their first regional season, regionals is kind of I think the real time when people who are new to the game start cutting their teeth in terms of you know getting. They're going to be playing against other really, really good players who who want to do well, and so this is going to be an awesome episode for people who are looking for that, and we've got a bunch of new players on the Slack, and it's going to be awesome for them. But maybe before we do, Ryan, do you want to just, like, let's talk about Nationals in the sense of, like, tournament prep, your list, all of those things?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so my experience with the U.S. Nationals, I went in 2017 for the first time. Um, okay. It was my first big tournament event like this. I uh, really didn't know entirely what I was walking into, but I had a fantastic time there. Um, really good experience. Definitely wanted to come back uh, the following year. And I knew, you know, there's a really high level of competition there. Some really great players um, that show up at this event. So I, I have a couple of friends in my play group. And um, there was about three of us that were going to be going to nationals this year. And we all, you know, played playing the game regularly, really wanted to make sure we're going to do well. at at this big tournament. So, um, yeah, starting, uh, I guess, late summer, um, of this year, uh, we really kind of started focusing on preparing for, um, the U.S. Nationals tournament, which is held at, uh, the Nova Open, um, big war, war gaming convention in Washington, D.C. area, um, and it happens every year over the Labor Day weekend. So, um yeah so started sort of focusing on that with our our play testing and our practicing um you know this kind of a tournament we knew it was going to be day one was gonna be six rounds um so you're gonna play on each mission uh in rotation yep. um and you know based on what I experienced last year, there was about forty five players or so that that showed up. So, day one, you're going to go and play through six rounds, and then there's a cut. Um, this year, it was a cut to the top eight, and so they would do a cut at the end of the first day. The top eight were coming back to play on Sunday. So, those are just some of the things you had to kind of think about. Like, need to have an idea and a plan for each of the missions, because you... Mm. You're gonna you're gonna be on every single one. You're not gonna um, in some of the smaller tournaments. You may only play three missions, four missions, right? Yep. And in those situations, you might hope for you know you might hope to avoid um, a certain mission that isn't favorable for your list, or yep. hope that you land on one that's really good, good for what you're running. Um, but at a big tournament like this, similar to Worlds, you got to play it all, right? So yep. you need to be need to be ready for that. There's Um, also
0: something to be said for the fact, and I mean, you might, you might be playing on talking about this, but Nova, the East coast is there. The density of good players there is pretty incredible, right? Like you, Brett, uh, Brett Kelly, Lucas Davidson, James Uh, Hedgepeth, Paul Heaver, you know, like all these guys who are really, really good all live on the East coast. Really
1: good at the game. Right. So, and you want to go to a tournament like this. You want to have fun, but you also, I, for someone like me, I also want to do well. You know, I want, yeah. to, want to come away feeling like I made a good showing. So yeah. um, in preparation for, for this tournament coming up, um, I've been playing Imperials since before Heart of the Empire came out. So um, I took Imperials to U.S. Nationals in 2017. Mm. Uh, that's kind of my favorite faction. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to play. You know, this year, everybody has seen the the rise of unshakable Vader. Yep. Right? And I think by late summer of this year, it really had kind of shaken out that the, I don't know if I want to say the best, but certainly one of the best versions of that list was Vader with the double uh, elite jet troopers, the cross-trained, regular riots for a little spy card yep. uh, action and then a couple of officers you know that that seemed to be the vader list that was doing all the work uh, all the work yeah and and consistently doing well you know yep, absolutely um so that one was obviously very prevalent you knew that that was a list you could expect to see at this tournament um as far as other lists you know so we're thinking about the missions that you have to face and then also the other lists that, you know, the, that your opponents are going to be running. So we knew there was going to be a lot of unshakable Vader. Um, knew that Han Rangers mm. is
0: definitely, you know, very popular. Absolutely, Something you got to plan for. Because this is like the la- this is going to be the last tournament before Lethal drops.
1: Right. And everyone is, and Lethal was uh, literally dropping like a week before. Yep. Um, the tournament, but with FFG's um, tournament policy, the wave wasn't legal by about 48 hours. Yeah, so yeah. everyone had seen what was coming, and, and so like you're saying, um, everybody knew about doubt, knew that you know this was going to have an impact on the game. So it was kind of the last. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say the last hurrah, but certainly people were trying to run um, things that they weren't sure about being able to run in the future yeah great point so so you got han rangers is a big threat you've got ig of course yep and then you know you guys have talked about it in several episodes there's um there's also been this rise of the scum point manipulation
0: lists yep. you
1: know job making his comeback absolutely which i think is really interesting really kind of a cool thing to see that happen um Sort of, it's been a while since Java has been out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting to see see those things develop. So, so these are all kind of the archetypes that uh, myself and the guys I play with were preparing for. Um, and so then, in you know, in that sense, you have to start trying to narrow down like what is the list that I'm I want to bring to a tournament like this. Um, like I said, I play Imperials mostly, a lot of Vader um and in the playtesting that we had you know leading up to the to nationals i um i was finding with the rise of that scum point manipulation list and with the rise of vader um everyone uh vader became you know the threshold and still yep. is
0: like yeah absolutely
1: you're going to see him you have to have a plan for how to deal with him um Hunters have great tools to be able to, to do that, to eliminate them. Um, so this was, you know, as we were playing our games, this is what I was finding more and more was that, um, my opponents were very prepared, uh, at dealing with Vader, which is how it should be, right? If Vader's everywhere, you got to practice against him. You got to know what to do. Um, one of the games that really left an impression on me, uh, in our playtesting was with one of my friends uh, named Nathan who was doing a version of like a java swarm with this the uh, point manipulation mm-hmm. um stuff going on so we had java uh no ig i think but it was at least two elite jawas um things like onar Greedo, taking advantage of the way that the uh jawas can can get victory points through their um, surge ability, uh, things like pickpocket, in addition to the price on their heads and the the celebration. So um, one of our games, he managed to eliminate my Vader um, with with the works. He had played the price on their heads. He had uh, got celebration off. He got the bonus point from Jabba. You know, so this ends up, um, I think being a 22 point Vader kill.
0: Yep. And, a... um,
1: to give him fair credit, he accomplished this. The, the The killing blow was done by, um, Salacious Crumb. He was, oh my he was running, <laughs> <laughs> he was running, uh, Indentured Servant, right? And, uh. Most people don't think about that card, but he's got an ability for free damage on there, unmitigated damage. Yeah. So that game left a big impression on me. Um, seeing the way that Vader could be removed like that mm. uh, for so many points and mm. knowing that um, so many people are prepared to deal with him, you know what I mean? Mm. Um
0: yeah.
1: it, it really started kind of turning my thoughts about what I wanted to run. Um, I didn't like the idea of, of walking into the room with something that everyone else had already kind of figured out.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. That's a great uh, a great point for the like, especially in terms of like big tournament preparation. Right, right.
1: Now, um, some people take those you know those meta lists and they are able to perfect them and come in with you know maximum efficiency on those lists, and that obviously that works as well. Yep. Um uh, for me I was looking for something with more of a surprise factor hmm. to it. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Um
1: so um as we we're doing our our playtesting we had we had seen mentions I, I can't take 100% claim for this riot swarm idea. We had seen mentions of it online, right? Yeah. Um through the Slack through uh some of the postings on forums and stuff. Um my impression was that it was always kind of a joke. Yeah. Uh, You know, it was, I thought the same thing. It was funny. Um, it looked, it looked ridiculous. Um, and you know, I started talking about it with the guys I play with made a few jokes here and there. And then we kind of started thinking like, maybe, maybe there's something to this thing. Maybe, um, this is not, maybe this has actually got some legs, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we kind of started brainstorming, um, I started testing it out on Vassal a little bit just to kind of see how it how it played. And then we, we started putting it out on the table and, and trying it in our weekly uh, meetups as well. And we were finding that, like, wow, this is actually, this has got an interesting um, element to it. Like, it is just a swarm of figures, and they are pretty, it is pretty hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So some of the things that we started figuring out about this list um, where so many things are geared towards uh, alpha strikes and spike damage and trying to land these big, these big blows on like the queen piece figures, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, When you have a bunch of very cheap, low value figures, um, it, it becomes difficult to decide what to prioritize. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And, and then a lot of times, um, your opponent ends up having to overspend um, to get a cheap kill. You know, if they're yeah. if they're not reaching um, the damage they need exactly, then sometimes um, they have to throw in those extra cards, those extra abilities, um, just to get this this kind
0: of cheap kill it's not really worth a lot with the yeah riot. that's such a feels bad man right to have to you know expend cards to kill a seven health figure to get three points yes right so Ugh.
1: so the um the uh, i want to talk about the stats a little just briefly on the riot troopers most people are familiar with these guys but um and i guess i'll start talking about the list that that i was working with so what started to form was um this riot swarm list, which was compromised of uh, two elite riot troopers. Um, those guys have seven health. Uh, they have a roll a black die for defense. Their melee figures, four speed. They cost seven points to bring, and they're each, each figure is worth uh, three points when they're defeated. Um, their attack pool is a red and blue dice. They have a built-in reroll, which is really great. Incredible. Uh, they have two different surges for damage. One surge is for two damage. The other surge is for one damage, um, which is a really... It's a fantastic surge pool because you can never over-surge with these guys. Yeah. This, the, your symbols are all damage, which is great. Um, and then what I think is... One of the most interesting things about them, the Elites have built-in Weaken, so as long as they're oh doing one damage, they're putting Weaken out. So good. Right, and then they also have the ability that says, um, after an attack resolves, if you dealt at least one damage, then the target suffers one strain. Uh, and that is actually like a really big deal. So... So that's the elite. You get two copies of those guys. You take four copies of the regular Riot Trooper, which is very similar. Just five health instead of seven. They don't have the reroll. They have two separate surges for one damage each. Um, they don't have the weaken to dish out, but they still have the strain yep. that it comes. So uh, the math that I kind of was basing everything around on these guys um, When you're just looking at a regular Riot Trooper attack, which is red-blue dice, two different surges for one damage, uh, you basically have a 70% chance to do two damage against a black dice or a white dice. Okay. Um, You have about a 50% chance to do three damage to a black or white dice. Uh, The interesting thing there is that you're still getting that one strain after that the damage. weekend
0: and the elites are doing the weekend. Yep. Right. So, so on the white die, it's going to pile on, right? Cause you're going to hit them once they take damage. Now they're yeah So now all of your, like they can't stop your surges now. Exactly. Exactly. And so
1: my, in my experience playing this list, the, the goal was always just to get, you're okay with just doing one or two damage with these guys, as long as you're getting to add that point of strain in there as well. Um, because that really starts to stack up, and most lists are not prepared for having to make having to make that many strain decisions, right? Having to yep. choose that many times about am I taking a damage or or am I gonna discard a card here? Yeah. Um so even though it's all melee figures and they're kind of slow and they only roll two dice, the the offense um while it was low was very consistent. And really stacked up over time. Um, yeah. And it was something I really liked. The other thing I liked about that strain is that I felt like it kind of gave you a some level of card control over your opponent. Yeah. Um, because you're gaining information as they decide to take the
0: strain as damage or burn the card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, if they burn, if they take it as damage, right? Like you're, if so, if like if I've got Han and I don't have on the lamb in my hand, right. I'm going to be really reluctant to like burn a whole lot of strain as exactly. cards, which tells you something, right. You're like, okay, he doesn't have on the lamb in the hand. Now let's go beat him down. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not quite,
1: this, it's obviously not the same as uh, having a spy playing spy cards, but it's still, mm. it's, it's still valuable information, you know? Absolutely. Um, so the other thing that I've found about this list, uh, is that I could really just focus, make make objective points my primary focus with the list, and could could win matches that way. I didn't necessarily have to prioritize kills, um, yeah. and I like that kind of play. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about the game is being able to play to the objectives more than just a team deathmatch kind of game. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, at the same token. I quickly realized that there are certain figures that you're just never going to be able to kill with um, 12 riot troopers. Figures like Darth Vader is basically untouchable. Um, Because the math just doesn't hold up. Uh, You're never going to get the damage into him that you need in order to get that kill. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, But that's kind of okay. You just decide... I ignore him, avoid him as much as possible, and now Darth Vader has to try to get his points back by killing two- and three-point figures, because that's all I have, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, uh, Other figures that are kind of in that category are things that have an uh, additional defense built in, so IG-88, Black Dice, plus one block, and Crazy Speed. Uh, He's a figure that is... If he wants to run away, the riot troopers are going to have a hard time catching him, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Drakata, same yep. way. Uh, Built-in block, black dice. Um, Chew- Chewbacca, definitely yeah. the same way. So these are, these are the kind of pieces that you just basically have to say, okay, stay away from them, avoid them, but I don't waste attacks on them because I'm never going to get anything out of it. Um, There's occasions when you may want to throw an attack just to try to put weak in on one of these guys, and that can be meaningful, but other than that. um, Figures like Han, though, that roll white dice, usually the rule is don't attack Han, right? Yeah. Um, But with with the Riot Swarm, I wouldn't say it's a a strategy, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, Yeah. The red and blue dice going against Han, if he's not... Next to three PO getting the extra um, defense bonus, uh, you have a chance of of putting some damage on them. You know, yeah. Um, in this list, I was playing command cards like Death Blow, um, mm-hmm. which adds two damage uh, against a ranged um, attacker. So, if an Elite Riot Trooper plays Death Blow on Han, if Han doesn't dodge, that's probably going to be Four,
0: four-ish damage with weaken and a strain. Yeah, and that weaken once it gets on Han, man, that is that's a killer. Right. So again, attacking Han's usually a bad idea, but
1: if all Han has to shoot at are regular riot troopers, um and you can pile them on him, yeah, uh, you you have a chance there. So. So these are things that you know we're kind of figuring out and having to keep keep uh, keep in our mind as like how this could work. Um, obviously, with this many figures, you have a great uh, angle on objective control and, on, and uh, area control on the map. So it was really, I mean, very quickly becoming obvious that like, okay, this list is awesome at uh, missions that tell you to go stand on an objective and get yeah. points, right? Because I've got 12 riot troopers, two officers. I can send these guys anywhere I need them to be. And they're not exactly easy to kill. Uh, so the stand on an objective point missions, those those were, I knew those were going to be good for this kind of a list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so... As we were kind of going through this playtesting as well, my, um, my good friend Terry Floyd uh, also went to Nationals. He was kind of having a hard time finding a list that he wanted to play. He typically runs Scum or Rebel Heroes, those kinds of lists. Um, yeah. And you know, I think he was really looking forward to having Lothal out, wasn't super excited about stuff in the current meta, so he decided to double down and do the Riot Swarm as well. Um and so this was an interesting approach having two two people in the same kind of play group really focusing on this list and it it, it really it gave us a chance to get even more like um data points from it and yeah, more play absolutely. experiences you know so we would be playing against um other guys in our area and you know we could kind of compare notes we could say oh okay this I tried this strategy out this is what I found to work here you know, these command cards are really working for me. Um, so that's another just kind of strategy as people might prepare for these kind of tournament events. Um, usually you want your play group to be diverse in their list so you can practice against as many different things as possible. But yep. um, there is something interesting to, you know, two people kind of running the same list and really sort of honing in on that. Um so I think it definitely helped us uh sort of perfect it and we got to you know got to label the list the carolina swarm as a result because uh, yeah come two guys from north carolina with the uh
0: combined total of 24 riot troopers so Oh man So that was fun Oh man that fun. that's awesome <laughs> I I totally agree that is an interesting point I I feel like um our play group in utah is like incredibly diverse like no one really runs the same thing yeah and so i but now that i think about that i mean and this is actually a good example i would love to if someone else was running the box because you could kind of see like two minds working on this list it just gives you a lot of information right sure. as opposed to just like one person so if like you're the only one who's running this carolina swarm you're like well, I don't find that my Vader matchup is very bad, right? Like, it's like, well, like, what do I tell from that? That I was wrong in my, like, op, you know, my, um, like, prior, like, theory crafting, you know? Like, it's just really tough to extrapolate any lessons from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so, it's an interesting thought, you know, if people want to use that as they're preparing for this regional season coming up, um, if you can find a list that you and your buddy want to run, that's something something to consider. Yeah. Uh, so... So now kind of moving into the specifics of um the missions that we're going to be we're going to be playing on at this at this tournament, you know. I think this is an important part of preparation is like being very familiar with um, exactly how each of the missions work, knowing how you're going to get your points on yeah. each of those missions, right? Knowing how you want the game to go um what does a victory look like for the list that you're bringing right on this particular mission? Yep. These are all things to
0: think about. Um, how are you counting to 40 in, in your, in like every mission, right? Uh-huh. Like, like what's my general plan in, and also in terms of general matchups, right? exactly. Like if I'm playing against Vader and I'm playing on Moss Eisley, how am I going to count to 40? Absolutely. Right? I'm not going to kill Vader. Right. So like, how am I going to do that?
1: Yep. And especially when, when preparing for, uh, tournament season or a big event like this i i like to hop on vassal and and just sometimes practice um like deployments right so i'll Mm. i'll pick the different missions and just kind of sit there and play around with like how do i want what's my optimal deployment um from each side of the map depending on what the mission is you know what i mean
0: Mm. um yeah absolutely
1: so i'll kind of practice deployment and then usually practice like um, what do my round one moves look like? You know, usually things haven't gotten too crazy. You have a pretty good amount of control over how things are going in the first round. And I think that's important in having, like, good opening opening moves, you know?
0: Um, I completely agree.
1: Yeah. So I just really started paying attention to these six missions in rotation and thinking about how my list would play on each of these. Um, and I'll just kind of briefly go through my thoughts on, on the three different maps. Um, starting with the oldest map in rotation, the most icy uh, back alleys. Um, so, something I noticed when I was looking at the, the full scope of all six missions that are in rotation, right, um, just to kind of summarize them, uh, there are three of the six missions basically tell you stand on a control point and get two victory points at the end of the round. Yep. There's one of those missions on each of the three maps. Um, you have one mission on Mos Eisley is a pick up and deliver crates for four victory points uh, mission. And then you have sort of the oddballs. You have the rogue AI mission on Tarkin. You have the courier droids mission on Uskru. Um, and mm-hmm. I will share some more thoughts on those in a moment. But um, starting with most uh the A mission called Stashed Away is the one that gives you two victory points for standing on the control point. That's one where, like, my list is kind of built for that sort of thing, right? Early on, yep. I can spread the guys out, get to as many of those control points as possible. Um, really really put pressure on my opponent to decide, okay, am I going to let him have all these objective points or am yep. I going to try to remove remove his figures that are sitting on control points? Um, all the while, there's enough of them that not only do I have guys on the objective points, I also have sort of the attackers moving um, to start feeding on my, on its figures, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that creates a really difficult choice, right? Do you shoot at the, do you shoot at the, the horde coming in or do you shoot at the guys sitting off to the side, racking up points? Um, no easy choice there. You know what I mean? Nope. So that mission pretty straightforward, spread the guys out. You're going to get those points. Um, as your figures start taking damage, um, my, my, strategy there would be to rotate the damaged guys to the back, find a somewhat safe objective point for them to sit on Um, and then usually it would put my opponent in the position where maybe they took a shot and got some damage on a regular riot trooper, but didn't finish him. Now that riot trooper has retreated to the back line and is still sitting on an objective point back there. Uh, And so if they want to get that kill, a lot of times they'd have to overextend and kind of put themselves in a bad position just to figure out, just to finish off a two point figure, you know? man, What a feels bad. So that
0: is just like,
1: Oh, so that, that sort of thing worked well. Um, that was a general idea on most ice on the stashed away on the other mission, the B mission concealed treasures. Um, this is the one where there are eight crates spread out around the map. You can pick the crates up and bring them to either deployment zone. Um, Uh There's a designated space where you can turn the crate in for four victory points. So this is one where I really practiced that opening deployment, those opening moves. And I had figured out a way where by the end of round one, like I said, there's eight total crates on the map, I could have four. Four of those in my possession. I could have four oh, wow. four of the crates picked up um, by the end of round one, uh, and, and you know the only thing my opponent could do is to try to shoot these guys that are grabbing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So again, this mission just kind of plays to the strong suits of the list. Um, I'm round one. I have sixteen points that I could potentially score if my opponent doesn't do something about it. You know what I mean? Oh my god. So that puts another, you know, that puts that same pressure where it says, okay, if you don't if the opponent doesn't act quickly, these guys could all just run back to the deployment zone, rack those points up and and now you've got a 16 point advantage. Right. And he's playing catch up, you know? Yep. So that one just gave Yeah, a great pressure. And I have the actions with figures like this to spend on picking those crates up, you know? Um, The other thing I like about that mission is that if I need to be more offensive, um, riot troopers can grab those crates and then score them in the opponent's deployment zone. If I need to just put everybody full offense, you know what I mean? Yeah. They can grab the crate, keep moving and attacking until you make it over there. Um, so that, I knew that mission was going to be another, another pretty good one for me. Um, looking at uh, the Uskru Entertainment District, um, so this is pro- maybe the most interesting one for the list, the priority message. This is a courier droid mission. Yeah. I do, and it's obvious um, if you know this mission, that uh, a list like a riot swarm is at a pretty significant disadvantage here. It's a large map, Um, it's got fairly protected uh, spaces for ranged figures to be able to take shots as you're trying to approach, and the objective points uh, just play very differently than any other mission. Um, At the end of the round, you're putting a courier droid down in your deployment zone, you're moving it out six spaces. Uh, you won't score a courier droid until round three. Um, and when you do, they're worth six points. Yeah. So generally, um, what I've seen is people tend to more or less ignore the courier droids and just say, we're making this a kill a kill match, kill fest, and we're both going to trade courier droid points, right? Yep. So um, I knew that this one was going to be a real challenge for me because – the opponent would be able to take pot shots at my guys as I'm coming in. It would take me probably until um, round three realistically before I could start making a lot of attacks with a riot swarm because round one, I'm just kind of moving out into the middle round two, probably having to like double move a lot of the guys again, just to get into position for attacking. Mm-hmm. And then the attacks aren't coming until round three and all that time, you know I'm going to be taking um, taking damage on my figures, so uh, I started sort of brainstorming like what could I do to make this mission work for me? How could I how could I try something different here? And I um, I started thinking about okay playing the objectives. How would you play the objectives here? Um, kill the courier droids. Uh, that's what mm. I kind of started toying around with. So I was like okay, most people don't worry about the courier droids too much. They tend to just throw them out there. Most people don't bother attacking them, right? They have six, yeah. they have six health and they roll a black dice. Um, so they're not exactly easy. Yeah, to, it's tough to one-shot them. Yes, absolutely. And And a lot of times you wouldn't want to use an attack that could one-shot that courier droid. You'd want to use it on an actual figure, you know? Great point. So... I started kind of developing this strategy on this mission of thinking, okay, um, I know how people tend to move the courier droids, right? You drop that courier droid in your deployment zone, and at the end of round one, you, most people tend to move it um, to the open lane, um, the lane where they don't have a door blocking, yep. blocking their access, right? Right tend to move it that way. Round two, he's moving up near the opponent's um, door line. And then round three, he's mo- the droid is moving into the opponent's deployment zone to score for six victory points. So I started kind of thinking about the math um, and wondering, okay, how many attacks do I need to remove a courier droid? Like I said earlier, 70% chance to get two damage into a black dice with a regular riot attack. So I was thinking, okay, if I can keep about three attacks ready um, mm. to throw at this Courier Droid, I, I should have a pretty good chance of getting it. And in, in my head, I was trying to figure this out as about three and a half attacks. So for me, that was something like one elite riot trooper and two regular riot troopers. I was considering that about three and a half attacks, which should be enough to remove a courier droid, to get six damage into it. Um, okay. So the way I would position my figures, uh, I would tend to move about two-thirds of my riot swarm um, out into the open lane on round one. Like like you would expect. Um, it's yeah. the only open space. Most of the guys are just flooding out that way. Uh, and then I would hold back about a third usually it was about three riots and one officer and i would position those guys um near my terminal somewhere close in between the two doors that you start with on your side whichever side you're on top or bottom there okay and uh and so you know we'd have these round one maneuvers round two depending on how doors opened um either in round two or uh, potentially round three, I would try to position these riot troopers where I could get attacks on the opponent's courier droid and remove him in these three or three and a half attacks, right? Um, Yeah. I found this to be working for me. I found that, okay, I'm removing his courier droid. He can't remove my courier droid because it's sitting behind a wall of riot troopers, so now this becomes, it doesn't kick in until round three, but now this becomes a six-point objective um, objective point advantage that I'm getting. If we go to round four and I can get two droids, it's now 12 points. Um, so then, then the math becomes, you know, can the opponent kill, kill my figures enough to make up for that deficit? You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. And, and all the while, and all the while, like the riot swarm is pressing. Right, the right? riot
1: swarm is pressing there, and definitely some of the riots are are getting knocked down. Um, but I found this to be my best shot on on this on this mission. So this became my game plan. You know, anytime I was, and I practiced this mission a lot because I knew it was my weakest one. I knew of all the other missions, courier droids was going to be the one where I was almost just saying, okay, when we get to the tournament, don't sweat it you know, whatever happens on this one, um, you might have to kind of take, take the loss on that mission, right? Because it's going to be yeah. tough. It's going to be tough. Um, but I felt pretty good in the sense of at least having a plan, having some angle that I could go for on, on that mission rather than just kind of throwing my guys out and hoping for
0: the best, you know? Yeah. Scooping it out and just yeah. saying, all right, on to the next one.
1: Yep. But I always knew that one was going to be the, the, the hardest one for sure. Um, so I'll keep moving here on these missions. The, uh, Usker entertainment district mission B is lost and found. And again, this is another stand on control points for two VP. Um, very similar strategy to how I described on most spread the guys out, get on those control points and stay there,
0: you know, and yeah. is that, uh, let me ask you a question, Ryan. So yeah. is, I assume the strategy is you send your regular riots to hold points are your elites like? You, who is it that you're sitting on, te- like on the offense? Is it like all of your elites with a few regular riots? Is like that the general plan? While while the rest of your regular riots are like holding back? Is that the idea?
1: The uh, it's a good question, and the 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 strategy that I found to be work. Uh, so when you're running a riot swarm, the the biggest thing you don't want to happen is for your opponent to be able to remove both figures from one activation
0: yes. in the same round
1: yes. And this is because, of course, you're running two copies of reinforcements in your command deck, which allows you to bring back um, a defeated figure as long as his partner or the other figure in that activation is still on the table. So you are trying to prevent your opponent from wiping out you know, two elite riot troopers from the same activation. Uh and the way that I was doing that is that I would constantly just completely split up all of my riot trooper activations. Mm-hmm. Um so I would separate those guys and send them off in different directions, which makes it very difficult um to very difficult for your opponent to remove one figure on one side of the map and then also try to get his partner on the other side of the map. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. It slows down your offensive power because you're not putting chaining, yeah, right? In, like
0: attack, attack. Yeah.
1: Correct. The other thing that I came to realize about that is when you look at the elite riot troopers, right? Um and they dish out that weaken whenever they're attacking. To me, uh I don't really want both elite riot troopers attacking the same target because I wouldn't, get to, mm. I wouldn't get to put the extra weekend
0: out there. Good point. You know
1: what I mean? Great point. So to me, it made sense. Split these guys up as much as possible. Have your riots attacking different targets. Make it more difficult for the opponent to remove the activations. Um, and, and so honestly, I, I, yes, the elite riots are obviously the best attackers. Um, I would usually activate those guys last in round one. Um, so that they're not taking any early shots, um, but truly, I I would attack with anyone who's in position. You know, the regular riot troopers. I would use those attacks when I could get them. Um, yeah. The elites are obviously better, but a lot of times it was just kind of playing that that game of like putting some out, keeping keeping them a little protected, and then a lot of um, like leapfrogging positioning. Right. Yeah.
0: So you'd put some
1: put sense. some guys out, make them targets. If the, if uh, the opponent attacks them once or twice, um, move some more riots out in front of them and block the line of sight. You know. Absolutely. So there's a lot of that kind of um, positioning was was really the the strategy there. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, these control points, you you put your Regular riots a lot of times on the control points, if the opponent shoots at them, then you, know, you move that damaged guy back to the terminal or back to a backline control point where he is more protected um, and keep him on the table. So those kinds of missions, like I said, feeling pretty good there. Um, moving on to Tarkin Initiative Labs. Uh, I'll start with uh, Mission B here, the Abandoned Research, which again, is essentially a two-victory-point control-point uh, mission, right? Yeah. This is the um, one that provides you with the weapon dice, right? Yeah, You get these all these great extra weapons to add to your attack pool, but there are four control points on the map, and if you're standing next to them, you get two victory points. Um, again, it's a pretty good mission for my kind of list, staying on the control points. Um, I have the actions to pick up those extra dice, to pick up those weapon tokens. Um, and, you know, suddenly a regular Riot Trooper rolling Whew. a three-dice attack,
0: um, that's pretty, it's pretty scary, you know? That is scary, especially when they're using all of their surges, right? Exactly, right.
1: Um, if a regular Riot Trooper gets the red dice... Whew. um yeah, you have to watch out for that because... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and so I really like that mission because, you know, the opponent either has to choose, okay, I'm going to sit back and stay in the deployment zone and take my long-range shots, you know, at the riot swarm as they're coming in, in which case I get the control points, I get the weapons, or the opponent has to come out and meet me to contest the control points and try to get weapons of their own Um, and then at that point, my riot troopers are in striking range,
0: you know, they've like brought themselves to you.
1: Exactly. So either way, um, it's, it's not going to go too bad for me there. Uh, so again, another mission where I felt like, okay, my list is doing pretty well here. Um, and to get to the final one, uh, rogue AI. So this mission, you know, if you've played on it, you know how this mechanic works. There is a um, a token uh, that marks this this AI that jumps around the map. Every time you move onto the space, you get two victory points, and then it it moves to another random location. Um, like most people, you know, when this mission first came out, playing on a little bit with like elite jet troopers, and found that these guys were wow. The jet troopers can get around this map um, super well can hit this yeah. victory point marker and really rack up some, some crazy points. Well, the Riot Swarm does it even better, you know? Yeah, it does. Oh,
0: man. Um, you <laughs> split
1: these guys up, and you can just cover the whole... This is a mission where... I mean, I jokingly kind of said this, but I, like, I'm not sure if I could lose this one. Um, yeah. Because... The Riot Swarm is just so good at being able to hit these points, and my sort of approach of splitting the figures up actually works even better here because sometimes you hit the rogue AI on one side of the map with one figure, Hmm. it might bounce to the other side, and if you've split your figures up and that other guy is in position, yeah, it is... So this was one where I felt like, okay, for as bad as the courier droid mission is for my list, um, this rogue AI makes up for it um, yeah, absolutely. in the sense of like, Ooh, man. this one's going to go well for me. Um, so, so that's the recap on the six missions there. Um, you know, and I think this is a good part of the preparation, right, is like kind of going through there and having a plan on each one. What are you going to do? How's it going to work? What, what's your strategy? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, at this point, I I could jump into my um, recap of my run at Nationals, um, unless you have,
0: you know, anything else you want to... The only follow-up I would say is, yeah. so with Command Cards, obviously you're going to have double copies of Reinforcements. Yes. Grenadier, I assume. Yes. Now, now is there any other cards that I'm Death Blow... You, you don't have Parting Blow, I... I Assume because it's just tough to fit that in.
1: That's correct, but no, it's it's interesting that you bring it up because I think when um, when I sat down to play um, people at nationals with this list, you know, a lot of times that's kind of one of the first things that a good player is going to do is sit there and try to figure out, okay, what is in this command card deck that I'm about to face, you know? Yep. and what am I going to play against? Right, and when you're playing against the typical you know, archetype lists, you know, probably 80% of what those cards are, maybe more, you know, because you've seen them. Um, I noticed at Nationals, you know, a lot of players, very good players, um, before the game kind of sitting there, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, and they'd be scratching their heads trying to figure out what is in this command card deck you know what i mean yeah because it's just such a different list than most people are used to um it wasn't super flashy like you said double reinforcements of course um cards like death blow to get that extra damage in there very important um extra movement like urgency and face to face Mm. and looking for a fight um grenadier of course is great um
0: it's an amazing card. A
1: two-point Riot Trooper throwing that grenade is Ooh. always going to be good. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I did include uh, Strength in Numbers.
0: You did include that?
1: Yes, because... Ooh, I like that. You could combo an Elite Riot activation to a regular Riot activation. And huh. that if you've got four Riot Troopers um, that get to make those attacks before your opponent can respond, that can usually be
0: pretty pretty powerful that concludes episode 74 of zion's finest we are going to i encourage you to immediately turn to the next episode episode 75 where ryan is going to round out his command card discussion and then talk about how he did at nationals which spoiler alert he did really really well thank you for listening